Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Join me as I seek out the small incremental changes being applied in other industries that we can learn from and that can be applied in healthcare. Can these changes bring immediate value, but also add up to the big improvements and revolution we need in healthcare? Come along with me to explore the possibilities. My innovative guests from around the globe have used small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. And today, I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Dorner. He is the co-founder of Precise MDX. Mark, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Dr. Nick. Appreciate it. So if you would, uh, tell the listeners a little bit about your background and how you arrived at this point, please. Um, Sure. So my personal background, I uh, started as a software engineer about 30-something years ago in the military. 24 years ago, I was chief architect at Relay Health, which was my first foray into enterprise healthcare. Later, it was acquired by McKesson. Um, And since then, you know, my team and I have built a lot of different platforms in the enterprise healthcare space. Fast forward to a couple of years ago, my uh, co-founder and partner, Guy Leifnet, and I uh, discussed starting this company to really transform and elevate the experience of laboratories, patients, and providers by providing what we call a connected digital journey. Um, the, The impetus for this came from two sides, I would say. A guy about eight years ago was diagnosed with uh, cancer, and as part of his uh, journey and treatment with cancer, um, he came to an inflection point where he needed a lab test to help uh, decide which path he would go down. He was being treated at Stanford, which is an amazing facility and and ranked worldwide in treating his condition. Um, And he had some uh, external advisors because we, you know, we've been in healthcare long enough to always want to get second opinions. You know, guy was about to do his lab test and his advisor said, oh, there's a new test that's FDA approved and for your specific mutation is much better and will give better information. Guy reached out to the company, it's a company based in San Diego himself, uh, connected them with his physician treating him at Stanford, somehow was able to you know, work through the healthcare technology to get the test ordered and completed. Um, it was the right test for him. Uh, he had a great outcome and it is now the standard at Stanford for his uh, mutation of cancer. So combined with his need to saying, you know, for me, who, for a guy who understands healthcare and navigating the system, how hard it was, how can we make it easier for other people to get the test they need when they need it in an easy manner, um, combined with, you know, my personal uh, passion for solving problems. Uh, as an engineer, I like to fix things and solve problems. And as you know, healthcare provides a lot of opportunity to do that. So um, to be clear, I want to just make sure people understand. I think if if I interpret that story correctly uh, for Guy, if he had not had the background, the connections, the resources, understanding, and indeed even working with, you know, a leading institution, his outcome could have been really quite different because he wouldn't have had that opportunity for a test that had been established, but maybe not entered into general clinical practice. And, you know, for the average user or individual that sort of intersects with healthcare, unless you're willing to go to bat and really sort of dive into this, which I think most people are, but they don't necessarily have the understanding that would be a challenge. Is that a, a fair summary? Uh, absolutely. I mean, his, this was a, a very pivotal test that if he had taken a different treatment path, he could have been dead. Um, so it's quite, quite extreme. And, uh, you know, when, you, when you're, you know, diagnosed with an acute or chronic illness, um, 
the last thing you want to do is start to project manage your own your own health. So you rely on the system, which you know it, it works, but you can always do things better. You know, in Guy's case, because he'd been in healthcare, we we'd worked together. We're in the same unit of the military, so we'd worked together on and off for thirty years. So you know, he's very aware of healthcare and how it works, and um, you know, basically took the steps necessary to to come up with the optimal outcome, which he did. And he's great and cancer free and. Um, yeah, and actually help people at Stanford, you know, by introducing that testing into their their standardized regimen. You know, I, I I'm so glad it's a great story. But you're right. I think healthcare is littered with examples like this, where you know the failure to comprehend or even navigate, even if you understand, uh, to actually positively influence with existing understanding is a real challenge. So. Together, you, you formed a company, Precise MDX, and your intention is to try and help that process. Help people understand how you go about doing that. What, what's, what, what's involved? Well, if you think about the, the laboratory space, you know, you know, according to the CDC, 70% of today's medical decisions depend on laboratory results. So if you think about that and you think about you go to the physician and you have a problem and, you know, most of the time they run a test. A great example is I took my daughter to a specialist a few months ago, and she needed a blood test. So the specialists, you know, staff hand me a piece of paper and say, take this paper to one of the labs next door down the block and, you know, do that. So I take my paper. I walk next door to the lab. I give them my paper. They give me more paper. I fill out their paper. Uh, my daughter gives them some blood. We go home and then silence. So I wait a couple of days because I think, oh, this is a test that takes a couple of days. I email my physician, which is which is new. You can email them now. And they and I say, hey, any results? And they're like, we don't know. I'm like, okay, but we'll get back to you. The next day they say, well, we got the results. Everything's fine. And they say, can I get a copy of the lab report? They're like, well, you need to reach out to the lab for that. So, so you know, and that's very typical in, in, in healthcare. Um, by what we do, you know, by creating this connected digital journey, using technology to, from the start, connect the patient to it, giving them transparency to the process, that that makes everything more efficient, increases satisfaction. It's kind of ridiculous that today you can order a pizza and know every step of the way, who's making your pizza, it's on its way, it's being reviewed, but, you know, a lab test, which is slightly more important, you you don't have any visibility. You're kind of at the whim of... uh, you know, basically your, your level of patience as a patient. It, you know, it's interesting you bring up the, the, the results process even. And, you know, I'm certainly, I, I think people that would see any of my posts will know that I've had issues with that. Um, you know, the uh, health and human services have been very, very clear about patient access for appropriate reasons. And, you know, your co-founder is a good example of, you know, somebody that's tracking. But if you think about a pivotal moment in cancer diagnosis, that test result coming back, but not being available, positive or negative, is either causing, will cause initially just stress because you're waiting. And then ultimately, if it gets forgotten, which we've seen, so there's a good reason for allowing for this, but you know it it really fails. So you're essentially trying to connect those dots for the patients, right. for the providers, so that now this becomes 
like the pizza delivery where, you know, I can almost track my mushroom to the point on, you know, the pizza, I think. How do you go about doing that? Doesn't, I, I mean, there's a part of me that says that must be easy, but I work in healthcare, so I know that's not true. Well, you know, one of the biggest challenges in healthcare is uh, interoperability, connecting systems. Um, sometimes it's a technical challenge. Sometimes it's a commercial challenge. Um, you know, I, I've been in, in healthcare quite some time and, you know, I've seen where you'll reach out to an EMR vendor and not hear back for a month or two. So, you know, that, that impedes progress. You know, we, we go about it a little differently. We start the journey with the patient. So the patient is the one who activates their test or activates their kit, puts their information in, um, and starts the journey. The provider can supplement that with clinical information where necessary. And then we connect directly to the laboratory. So everything flows uh, electronically. Um, you know, an outcome of this connect digital journey is, you know, greater efficiency, but it's also greater satisfaction. The patient who knows that their test is being processed and it reached the lab and, you know, when to expect the results doesn't make phone calls to the provider or the lab. Um, having tri uh, pricing transparency, which is now mandated, you know, is, is also a big deal. You know, patients like to know, you know, how much is this going to cost me? Is this lab and network or not? You know, many times the physician's like, you need this test. You do the test. And then you get the bill. Um, you probably would have done the test anyway, but it would have been nice to know ahead of time what, what the expectation was. So by connecting everybody and starting with a patient, you, you gain these benefits. Um, not to mention the, the, the growing direct-to-consumer market of home testing, where it's very, very patient-centric. Yeah, I, I've got to say you hit a nerve, uh, <laughs> a, a very personal one. Um, I had testing that was uh, authorized by my provider, Mm -hmm. uh, the healthcare insurer uh, rejected that test. Uh, the thousand over a thousand dollar bill for a test that was, in our view, clinically uh, valid, uh, showed up. Uh, I submitted an appeal to the insurance company, who, wow, shock horror, said no, no, uh, we were correct. Um, I actually went through the process as an external uh, review process. And they came back and said, no, this was an appropriate use of clinical resources. And my bill dropped all the way down. Um, I, I want to say it was like $10 or $13, some extraordinary number. And that's only because, like your co-founder, I have some of that. So it sounds like you're essentially presenting a, a pathway for individuals to help them through that process, A, so that they don't have the surprise, um, and B, to, to present and, and allow that control. It feels like the, putting the patient at the center may seem simple, but I, I, I feel like that's a critical element to this. Yes, and you know, we were just said there's a, there's a national lab show called the Executive War College. And if you looked at the theme of all the sessions and keynotes, it was all about the patient as the customer, right? So laboratories typically work with providers who order the labs, but the patient is the customer. And they're the one paying, and they're the one who's getting the result. It's going through the provider who orders it and reviews it. Uh, but they 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 reemphasize what we understand is that you know patients are customers, consumerism and healthcare is growing, and there's a demand for control and and modern technology to enable that. So so in your case of like having on your own to advocate not to pay a bill, and you know with your knowledge you're able to succeed. I feel like very few people would have succeeded. And it would have gone down the path of them either, you know, negotiating a, a, a reduced bill with the, the, the lab 
or, you know, not paying or who knows which way it would go. You know, medical billing is, is very complex. Um, you know, our experience in the field allows us to simplify that and present things where I would say it's kind of like just-in-time data, right? When you're about to get the test done, it's nice to capture the information you need and get the information you want. You know, as the test is being processed, you'd like to know what's going on, you know, from a, you know, a test and a resulting standpoint, also from a billing standpoint. If this is a test that needs pre-authorization, you know, don't run it till you get it, right? Why, why run it and then run the risk of balance billing the patient, um, you know, and then, and then come back. Maybe there's an alternative test. Maybe there's another path. Uh, I, I'm sure you enjoyed spending, I don't know how many hours on the phone with health plans and utilization review. Um, and they probably, you know, at some point you, you've went past the point of where it's not cost effective for them to, to fight you and they just gave in. Um, so for those of you just joining, I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Today I'm talking to Mark Dorner. He's the co-founder of Precise MDX. We were just talking about uh, the uh, process of approvals, pre-authorization. Um, you were just uh, inter in intimating that, uh, you know, I struggled with this whole process. And, you know, that's absolutely true. It was time consuming. I will say for, for those listening, if you wanted a hint, um, my now preferred means of communication, I won't use the telephone. I only use faxes. Um, I have a record of delivery. It's uh, required. It's all written. I will not take any phone calls or actually commit to phone calls, although my big struggle is actually finding fax numbers. But here we are. We're solving the problem with Precise MDX. I think, you know, tremendous progress. And you bring up a couple of things that I think are worth exploring. So, you know, the consumerism of this I think has been accelerated. And before we get into that opportunity and where that's going and, you know, putting that patient at the center, I, it, it would be remiss not to talk a little bit about the pandemic and what that's had in terms of an impact in this whole space. Tell us what that's been like. You, you've obviously gone and, and grown, I, I imagine, through that experience. Um, yes, absolutely. I mean, we launched at the start of the pandemic. Um, we feel like it was a catalyst for growth and change. And there was a big shift in healthcare, um, both in traditional healthcare, moving to, you know, remote care, telemedicine, and other opportunities, but also with um, patients undergoing so much testing, the realization that they can get a test, get the result, know more about their medical condition, whether it's testing for COVID, or looking at their, uh, you know, thyroid panels or lipids or cholesterol, um, and it's created an appetite that they want the convenience of on-demand testing. So they want the convenience that they can get a test; they don't have to go to the provider necessarily to order it, and that they want to take it at home or take it at a location near them very easily. Um, and that's that's really been a catalyst for change. Uh, I think that if if you look back a few years ago, if you talk to people about QR codes, they would have been like, "What are you talking about now?" Every restaurant menu has a QR code, every place you see it. So the small incremental changes that, that have a big impact. So, you know, good point around that sort of accessibility for uh, individuals. We've seen people accessing it. Obviously, it, it, I guess, opened the eyes for many that, you know, had not noticed or not seen it. You know, first off, congratulations of launching a company during a pandemic. I think most people would say, based on business school, that uh, you're going to be an outstanding success if you've managed to do that. I think, you know, we see a lot of organizations that do, which is, you know, tremendous. As you think about those areas of consumer 
demand and capabilities. I mean, there's regulatory pieces, so you, you can't just issue tests or people can't just get them without orders in some cases. There's some component of that. You think that's going to change? And, you know, how hard are the consumers now pushing? I mean, since you've put them at the center and they're, you know, they realize this, do you think we're going to see even more of this taking place? So kind of address what you started with I me. Mean, definitely um, starting and growing the company during the pandemic was uh, interesting. Um, one, one of the benefits is, you know, we, you know, we've seen almost 8 million patients through our platform. So the speed at which your platform matures um, because of the pandemic was amazing, you know, so, you know, something that would have taken, you know, many years was condensed into, to a smaller period. Um, you know, there are legislations passing related to consumer directed testing. So different states have different rules about what can consumers order directly versus what requires a provider sign off. Um, obviously, you know, get oncology testing. You're not going to go on the internet and order yourself. You'll go to a provider. It's a serious condition, but if I want to check uh, my cholesterol, I want to get an STI panel, and I want it to be anonymous. I, you know, you can order those by yourself. And you know, companies also utilize something called a provider of service, um, uh, where they have providers licensed in many states that can sign off on orders. So you can fill out a medical questionnaire, depending on the test, maybe have a telemedicine visit, and then they will sign your order because it requires for that type of test from that state a physician signature. Um, but definitely there's, there's a lot of growth in, in companies starting in the direct-to-consumer market, everything from wellness testing to, um, I saw one company at the last Hims that was doing your annual wellness visit in a box, which is a pretty comprehensive test. So, so I, I think great opportunities, you know, I'll, I'll push back a little bit on the, the cancer and maybe I, I, it's not entirely a disagreement, but, you know, as an example, I think colorectal screening and, you know, we've seen um, you know, the, the, the launch of Cologuard, which is a genetic sort of biomarker. I, I, the idea that I need to go to my physician for that, just, I, I, I don't know. I think there's, I, I think we'll see more of that because why would you not want to screen if it's widely available, it's easy to, to actually carry out? I recognize that there's some downstream consequences, but we know that earlier diagnosis is always better. Even if it's bad news, bad mm -hmm. news earlier is better than bad news later. So, so I, uh, I absolutely agree with that. I think definitely for screening purposes, um, you know, that kind of brings you into the subject of testing compliance. Um, you know, I, uh, I went to my uh, primary care physician and said, oh, I'm of the age where I should probably get this test. And he was like, and it was actually the, the fit colorectal home screening test. And he was like, I agree. Take this home with you, you know, get your set specimen, drop it off and we'll run it. Now I purposely didn't take the test. I took it home and I waited to see if anybody would remind me I need to take the test. Cause you know, I, I like healthcare and I'm an engineer and it's been sitting at my desk for four months. I'm assuming there's some liability in the fact that no one reminded me to take the test that I should get. But you know, this brings up that whole testing compliance thing where you know, payers and providers and everybody recognize that there are better clinical and financial outcomes if people take certain tests. Um, you know, on the payer side, it, it directly impacts their HEDIS scores a lot of times, which, which have large financial implications, you know, driven by clinical outcomes. Um, so I definitely agree that this on the screening side, absolutely. I, I just think that's a fascinating experiment. I applaud you for that because, I, you know, it's really poignant because others might do that not because 
they intentionally, but it got forgotten, you know, it got put somewhere, it didn't happen. And we do, we need reminders. So well, that's it, obviously it started part of it. unintentionally, but now I'm actually just waiting to see if someone's going to say something. I probably should really take that test though. Well, I'm I'm not going to get in step into that particular quagmire, but um, I, I I love the experiment because I think this is the way that we fix healthcare to understand those breaks and failures. Um, but you know, you you brought up some other points there, uh, you know, other tests and you know privacy and and control. If I'm initiating a test. Um, do I control it? Is is where do you think that's going to go? Because historically, I think we saw this as part of the patient record, and it just became almost part of the public record at some point. So we have HIPAA. There's you know coverage for private or uh, you know uh, personal health information. Where do you see this testing going? Given that that seventy percent you cited at the beginning, that's very significant. Well. It's very important that the the clinicians and care providers are able to access, you know, with certain permissions, your health information to treat you, right? So if you had a test done, you know, at a provider's office, at a laboratory, you show up in the hospital, it's important that they they know you had the test done and what the outcomes were. Uh, but talking about privacy, um, a great example is we work with uh, a lot of university campuses. Um, a few of them have started to, uh, they had vending machines that had COVID kits in them. Now they're going to put um, STI kits in them to get STI testing. And I asked them, you know, why is that? And they said, well, a lot of the students are on their parents' health plans and they don't want the test to appear on the health plan and their parents see that they're doing certain tests. So they rather just pay for them directly and get the test and it's allowed. And that's, that's reality. And, you know, that kind of comes into the privacy realm where, you know, who can access your information and, and should they be able to, and, you know, should you be able to take tests anonymously and, and just you know, have the information to yourself. It's a it's a very slippery slope. Um, you know, HIPAA is in place to make sure that in order to treat you, there's accessibility to information, but it's protected and secure. Um, one other area I would say is that in the diagnostic space, you know, you're giving samples that have DNA, and um, a lot of times people like to you know use this for clinical research. So it's not necessarily associated with your personal information. Um, but, you know, could be useful for a clinical trial to develop future therapies and drugs. Um, but they recently ruled that, you know, your DNA is something that could personally identify you. So, again, that's another just kind of slippery area where, you know, you want to further and help science, but you want to uh, respect people's privacy. Yeah, that that particular area is exceptionally challenging. And, and, you know, even with basic data, I mean, I think we're down to about eight data points and we can uniquely identify somebody based on browser history and, you know, a number of other factors. DNA, I, I, I'm I going to say one DNA, um, you know, I, and to be clear, it's got to be more than just general. So I, I think very complex area, but you're right, you know, the importance of protection um, and maintaining that is central to this. Um, as you think about the future, where do you think this is all going? What are the opportunities? I mean, you know, it, specifically in the lab space, I think there's a lot of opportunity, like you said, to get people screening tests at the right time, testing compliance, improve outcomes, improve healthcare in general, and really kind of work side by side with this shift in telemedicine and remote care to include the laboratories in that space as well. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. We're continuing to explore it. 
and, um, you know, make things easier and more efficient for people. So I, I think overall exciting area, laboratory uh, investigations, you know, critical part. I, 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 I'm not sure how that's changed over time. I'd be interested in sort of thinking about this, you know, how much more does it contribute as we've added a more test, more understanding. Certainly, you know, an essential part of medicine and the way that we sort of look at patients. But I think importantly, this push over to greater control. And I'm I'm particularly taken by that patient at the center of testing, which I think a lot of people that will resonate with. I know for some of the old school, maybe not so much, you know, patients, uh, you know, don't have the responsibility. But as I often say, there is nobody in the room um, in a consultation that has a bigger vested interest in the positive outcome than the patient. You know, second to that, maybe the physician, but it, it's definitely a second to be clear. So I think putting them in control, giving them the tools and helping them navigate, exciting, tremendous opportunity. Um, just uh, unfortunately, we've run out of time as we do every week. So it just remains for me uh, to thank you uh, for joining me on the show, Mark. Thanks for coming. No, thanks, Dr. Nick. Really appreciate the invitation. Thanks for joining me today. Do you have any better ideas or have you found a small incremental change that's brought about a big improvement in your world? Let's continue the conversation on our hashtag, The Incrementalist, or share with me at Dr. Nick One on Twitter. You can find more information about the show on our program page at healthcarenowradio.com. And tune in next time to hear my discussions with leaders and innovators from around the globe who've revolutionized their space by using small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist, and I'm starting a revolution through evolution. <laughs> <laughs>